and uh, sometimes that's why you make a calendar to try to keep it, but if you can't, you change things, amen? Got to be flexible. So get your Bibles open this morning to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, and I want to continue this morning off of what God has been doing in this revival, and uh, I thank God for all the miracles and all the testimonies. We may have some testimonies tonight of what God did as part of the service. Not only I'm going to bring a message, but I want to hear some testimonies about what God did in the revival. And uh, I'm thankful for what God did for my father as he was sharing. You know, I, I, when I'm always listening, because I am, and he's a preacher too, but because he, I'm, all, I'm a preacher and a pastor and an evangelist and all those words or whatever you want to call me, just don't call me late for dinner, amen? Whatever you want to call me, I, I, get, I listen and I think I could have said that a little bit better because a little more details, right? I got to add a little more details in. One thing he did not say is that Pastor Gould was here and he, he has been on the CPAP machine for 12 years and he's been using one that's really, really good for him. And so he, he showed my dad what the, what the exact mask we should get. And so we went to this place and, and asked, uh, well, the one we were going to get online was, and at the store was the exact one he wanted with the gel where you can move your nose around. It wasn't, you know, it was a very specific one. That's why it was so expensive. And you can't mess with sleep. Amen? So we went to get that specific one. So when that lady went upstairs and brought down the three masks, she brought down the exact mask we were looking for. So that's a major detail. Amen? She gave him two more as backup, but we got the exact mask we were looking for. So God knows the very specifics and details of what we need. Amen? Open your Bibles to 1 Chronicles 16. And I want to I talk this morning about keeping the spirit of revival alive. Amen. How many admit we had a great revival? Amen. I want to congratulate you for coming out and being here and making it. Man, many of you made it every single night and every service grew. Every, every service from Sunday night to Wednesday night grew in attendance. Amen. And Wednesday night, we had the most people we've ever had at a revival service on a Wednesday night. Amen. So God is definitely moving in our church. Amen. So I want to congratulate you. It was interesting. I told Pastor Gould we got out. You know, I had to do what we did to get out because I knew we wouldn't have got him to the airport on time. I apologize. We had to leave the way we left. But he would not have made it because I know how we are. Somebody would have hugged him. Somebody would have tried to say bye, and that's fine. But two or three of those adds up to five minutes, and then you miss your flight. So I had to get him out. But we got in the car, and we began to drive away. And he said, he said I don't want to leave. He said, I don't want to leave. He said, I want to stay here. And he said, the spirit is so strong in your church. And he just kept congratulating me for the church we have. And I told him, you know what, I felt like because the spirit of revival was so strong on Wednesday night and it kept building up, I said, I think that we actually could have extended this revival and it would have kept going. How many agree with that? Amen. But he had to go. So we're going to extend it this morning. Amen. And we're going to keep it going. So it's the spirit. You know, when it's kind of like when there's certain spirits that come around during the year. The spirit of Christmas, spirit of Easter, the spirit of, of, of fall, you know, and I can't wait for fall already. Amen. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to use the hate word in here, even though it's in the Bible, but I don't like summer at all. I'm not a fan. Amen. I'm not a fan of, of summer at all. So I can't wait till it's over. I'm already looking forward to that prize. Amen. Of cool weather again. But we, uh, there's a spirit that you feel and something begins to come. And right now we're in that spirit of revival. But how many know it's very important that we keep it? We don't let the spirit of revival fade away. And it's kind of like so many things that we have in life. Our, our human nature is to get excited about something and then lose the excitement. 
That's our human nature. It's, it's human nature to get excited about a TV series and then lose interest. It's excited, uh, human nature to get excited about a diet and then say, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to work out and then lose interest. It's, exci- it's a human interest to get married and have a honeymoon and be excited, amen, and then begin to lose interest. They're all on and on and on of examples of things you can get excited about in life, but if you don't keep the spirit alive, then those things die. And I don't want us to just, I don't want us to go from revival and then have us on a high and then we begin to drop down again until another revival comes. My mom said something very true. We don't have, great revivals are great, but we don't have to have a special speaker come in to have a revival, amen. We can have God move by the power of his Holy Spirit. He does use men and uses people, but it doesn't matter who's preaching. God's being preached, amen. Jesus is being preached and he's going to move. But I felt like preaching this this morning and telling you some things that we could do to continue to keep it. I'll get to the text in a second. Don't worry. I hope you're taking notes. I've got some good things to write down this morning. And I want to read a couple of verses. You don't have to go to these. Stay in Chronicles. But Psalms 85, 6 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Amen. God wants to revive us. Amen. When you think about the word revive, Revival, it comes from revive. And you can picture, have you ever been in a sporting event or a place where they have, or a, an airport where they have, uh, the, the, is it defibrillators? The defibrillators inside the wall? They're there. They're ready in case somebody dies and needs to be brought back to life. That's what the spirit of revival is. It's very easy for our spiritual lives to get dead. It's very easy for our walk with the Lord to get in a rut. And all these things can begin to happen. And revival is, let's get back on track again. Let's get excited again. But how many know it would be much better to go through life without ever needing the defibrillator? Amen. Let's stay revived this morning. Let's stay on track. Let's stay on fire. And then another verse in Psalms. And I have to ask you to apologize, apologize for you this morning because, okay, let me see if I can see it. Nope, it's not there. My ink, whatever color I chose for these things, did not decide to come out. So I don't know where the verse is, okay? And so it says, it is in Psalms though. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Listen to this. I dwell in the high and holy place, also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Amen. So he's looking this morning who he can revive and who he can fill and where he can habitate. And he habitates in a place where people are looking for him. So here's some things that I feel that the Lord spoke to me that a church should have to, to be in revival. And if we have them, they, they mean revival. And I just want you to write these things down. And you can begin to look at our church and see if we have these things. These, these are th- these things from the Bible, but these are things that the Spirit spoke to me. And number one is seven things what I want you to write down. Because I wanted you to write these down and I want you to contend for these seven things with me. I believe we have them. And just like anything, if we have them, we can get better. We can improve as we go through some of these things later on in the message. As you begin to reflect on your own walk with the Lord, you can begin to say, how am I in this area? Where am I at in this area? And the word, the Bible says the word is always like a two-edged sword. It's always penetrating us. It's always getting inside of us and changing us. The first thing that I thought of that means revival and signifies revival and things that a church should have is we should have the presence of God evident. 
Amen. The presence of God should be evident. People should be able to walk in this place and maybe not remember the message, maybe not remember somebody else's name, maybe not remember the songs we sang, but they say God's presence was in that place. Amen. How many know that that's something we have and we need to continue to contend for it? Amen. That his presence would be here because church, if God's presence is not here, we're doing nothing. There's no difference between any other social gathering in the world today if we don't have God's presence. Number two, the cross must be central. Amen? The cross must be central to our, to our messages and to our walk. Jesus has to be number one in our lives this morning. Amen? And I believe that we're keeping him central. We're keeping the cross central to our walk. And that is another thing that we have and that we have to keep for revival. Number three, Prayer is a force. Prayer is a force in a church that is in revival. It's not, it's the, it's, it's just like that sign says over there. It's the engine. Amen. It's the gas that makes the, 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 the engine go. Prayer is the force behind every miracle. Prayer is the force behind every salvation. Prayer is the force behind the favor of God. Prayer is the force behind a good marriage, behind good children, behind good jobs and finances. Prayer is everything, amen? And so in a church where revival's happening, there has to be a spirit of prayer. And it has to be continual, and I believe we have that, but we have to keep it going. Number four, souls are being saved. Souls are being saved, amen? People are getting saved, which means people are coming in that haven't been to church before, which means people are, 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 are repenting of their sins and saying, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I need to change. I need to convert my life to Jesus Christ. I don't just want to be a person who just comes to church, but I want to be a believer, amen? So people are getting saved and converted in this church, amen? Number five, another thing that, that we have and need to continue to have is a holy life is being sought. A holy life is being sought and sin is being hated. When there's revival, when the Spirit of God is moving, and when His presence is evident, church, people are seeking righteousness. People are seeking holiness. They're not looking for what they can get away with, but they're trying to please the Lord. Amen? How many can see that difference? Many people could say, Lord, I'm going to walk the line and try to get His way with as much sin as I can and still be in good standing. A church that's in revival says, I don't want to go anywhere near the appearance of evil. I want to walk in in a holy way that's pleasing to the Lord and there's a hunger for righteousness and sin is hated. Don't worry about me saying the hate word. It's in the Bible, amen? God hates sin. We should hate sin as well, amen? Number six, people are being discipled and they, as they are being discipled, are multiplying themselves. That has to happen in a church that's in revival, in a church that's growing, in a church that's healthy. People that are being saved have to be being discipled, meaning that you're not at the same place in your walk with the Lord today as you were even six months ago. You have to continue. I'm not saying you haven't had some hiccups. I'm not saying you haven't had some setbacks. I'm not saying you haven't lost a few little battles here and there. But the big, the big picture says, I'm growing. 
I'm not the same person. I'm, I'm growing in every area of my life. And if I'm not growing in that area, I'm wanting to grow in that area. I'm wanting to be discipled. So people are being discipled and that the, 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 the fruit of discipleship is multiplication. It means other people are getting saved through them and other people are being discipled by them. And the last one is, and at least last but not least, of course, is there must be a genuine love one for another. Amen? A church that is in revival, a church that is doing what God wants to do has to have genuine love one for another. Doesn't mean we don't have anger, uh, dis, dis, discussions. Doesn't mean we don't disagree sometimes. Doesn't mean we don't have arguments sometimes, just like a marriage. All those things happen, amen? But in spite of all those things, we push past those things. At the end of the day, we work it out. And inside of this place, there is a genuine, say genuine, real, tangible love one for another, amen? So those are some areas that I see that exist in our church but can be better and things that a church that's in revival has. So again, the presence of God. The cross is central. Prayer is a force. Souls are being saved. A holy life is sought and sin is hated. People are being discipled and multiplying and there's a genuine, genuine love for one another inside the church. Can you say amen? amen. Let's go to First Chronicles chapter 16. And I want to talk a little bit about two young people in the Bible. You know, we have in general 90% to 100% very young people. Amen. How many would put themselves in the 90? I'm, I'm just seeing if anybody wants to be old. If you don't, we can all be young. Amen. I'm not going to say what age is old, but our church is a young church. Amen. How many agree with that? And even if you're not young, you feel young. So... There, there's some people in the Bible, sometimes we say, well, I'm young, and what can I do for God? Or, well, I'm, I need to get older, I need to get mature. That's not the case. God uses young people. And he's looking for people to be used this morning. So in the book of 1 Chronicles 16, Dylan was talking about David in the prayer this morning, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about him. Look at verse 1. I want to read some verses here, and I want to see some things that they did in the Old Testament to keep the spirit of revival alive. Verse 1 says, So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected. And then they burnt, offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. Did you know this morning that the ark of the covenant is a symbol of many things, but one of the greatest things it is, is the presence of God. Amen. So David is saying, I'm going to bring the presence of God and I'm going to keep it in the center of everything that we're doing. How many know that we have to contend for that presence of God? Amen. We, if we begin to lose that, we have to get back on our knees. We have to get back into holiness. We have to get back into prayer because we have to have the presence of God moving. Amen. It's like that wind that blows when you're hot. It's like the rain that falls when you're dry. Amen. We've got to have the presence of the Lord. And David understood that. So going on, I want to read a couple of verses. It says in Exodus, there I will meet thee and I will commune with you above the mercy seat. That's another symbol of the ark is mercy. How many need God's mercy this morning? From between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all the things which I will give you in commandment unto the children of Israel. Then Ezekiel eleven nineteen and 20 says, And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. 
and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. How many know that revival is a two-way street? God is willing this morning to move. God wants to move. God desires to move. There's nothing God has in front of that. God's not sitting around busy watching sports this morning. Amen. He's not busy worrying about politics. His desire this morning is to move in his people. And so there's a two-way street. God wants to move, but we have to want God to move. And if we want God to move and continue to move, God says, there's some things I need you to do. And we talked about a few of those right here, but I want to show you a few more. He shows in his word how we contend and stay in the place or the position. How many know that position is very important? In life, in jobs, in, in, in the place to receive the blessing of God. I've got to be in the right place to receive God's blessing. Amen? His blessing is there. It wants to come down. It wants to touch us. It wants to refill us. It wants to challenge us. But I've got to be in the right place. To receive that blessing. And so we see here in the word of God that it says, I will give them one heart. We've got to have unity this morning. All of us striving and seeking for those things. How many have got individual needs this morning? Let me see your hand. You've got individual needs. Things physically, financially, amen. You know what we have to do in God's kingdom? We have to many times put our individual needs aside and worry about the one big need of the church, which is God's will. How many of you have seen in your lives that when you begin to put your needs aside and begin to put God's first, as Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, how many have seen time and time again that God has put your needs right at the front of his desires, amen? He's placed what you need right there. He's taken care of. How many times have you seen God take care of something that you knew was a desire of your heart, but you weren't necessarily asking for it, but because you were looking for the move of God, because you were doing what was right in God's eyes that blessing came when you least expected it amen that's the kind of God we serve he's looking for people who are more worried about his kingdom than our own and that's another thing that we have to consistently bind and fight against is the flesh is what I need and what I desire because we all have needs we could spend the whole day today talking about things we need in our house, amen, things we need in our, in our bank account, things we need physically, things we need in our, in our closet maybe, things we need fixed on our car. There's all kinds of needs that we have. There's always something. It's like walking around this church. There's always something I could fix here. There's always something I could paint. There's always something I could make better. You've got something right now, if not five things in your house you need replaced, the other day, my wife said, next thing on the, on the list, and I thought, there's, there's been many, amen, is a new microwave. This thing don't work. Got to put it in there for a long time. We've all got needs, right? But when we begin to say, God, I, you know the need. I want a revival. I want God to move. When our first and, and most, de, most important desire in our heart is to see a move of God, let me tell you something, church. You can get excited about the fact that you will know without a shadow of a doubt if God is first and a move of God is first and revival is first and his kingdom is first, there's nothing that God will not with, there's nothing that God will withhold from your life if you put God first this morning in your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to pour his presence out on you. He's just looking for us to be in the right position. 
He says, I'll give them one heart. Put a new spirit within them. Take out that stony heart of flesh and give them a new heart that's flesh but not stone. Amen. Don't elbow the person next to you and say he's talking to you. Amen. Here's a few things that if we continue to read, go on with me real quick, that we're going to see this morning that we need to contend for to keep revival. I'm not going to read all these verses. David begins to go on and, and talks about some of the musicians that he appoints. I don't want to read all the names. You know, sometimes, how many have ever read the names in the Bible and gone, man, that's just so weird? Well, I guarantee you, if they were sitting here with us today, they'd think our names were weird. So just so you know that, amen? We think it's weird and we can't pronounce them, but have you ever tried to talk to somebody from another country and tried to pronounce their name or had them butcher your name? Sometimes I'll be at a place making order or getting something and, and they'll ask me my name and if they have any kind of accent or something, I don't, I'm, I'll tell my wife's name. She gets so mad at me. She says, why do you say my name? Because I, I know they're going to mess mine up. Especially in Costa Rica, it happened all the time. I, mean, I was Flake, Drake, Dake, Black, Bleak. I mean, I was everything you can think of except my name. So I just finally started calling myself Blake. They say, what's your name? I say, yo me llamo Blake. Nice to meet you. Because that's how they were going to say it anyways. So don't worry about all these names in there that are so weird. Because we have weird names too. Amen. It depends on where you're at. But look at verse 7. And on that day, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. I want you to see some key things in the next couple of verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him psalms to him. Talk of all of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who rejoice, who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face for a little while. Forevermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done. Can you take your pen and please underline that? Please, pretty please, underline that. I'm guilty. We're all guilty. One thing that frustrates me more than anything, and I know it frustrates God, is how quickly we forget how wonderful God has been to us. Because we are a people that says, God, what have you done for me today? Amen. We are, and when I say those things, I'm just recognizing our humanity. I'm not condemning us. It's just how we are. It's our sin nature. We're always looking for what and who somebody can do for me. And that's not the heart of Christ. How many are thankful Jesus came down and said, I'm going to die for them. He's different than all the gods in the world. All the gods in the world want them to worship him. He said, I'm going to come down and I'm going to die for you. And that was the spirit of servanthood that Jesus had. Amen. But we see here that he's done such marvelous works and we cannot forget what he's done for us. Write those things down. Amen. Don't, don't, just, don't just say, oh, that was good and forget it. Remember those things. And because when you are in a struggle and when you are needing something, you can go back and remember, look, God has done this and this and this and this and this and this and all these things and why won't he do it again? Amen. And it reminds us of his power and of his strength. So I want you to write a few things down here again. These are different from the first things I wrote. I want you to write some things down that you can do to keep revival spirit 
going that we're seeing here inside of these verses. The number one is right here in 8 and 9, we see these things. We must stay thankful. We must stay thankful. You say this morning to me, what do I have to be thankful for? I could probably come sit down with you and look at your life and give you about 20 things, but I'm going to give you one. You're saved, and your name's in the Lamb's book of life, and that's the best, all, and that's all you need. And if you never had another thing in the world, it'd be enough. Okay? Stay thankful that you're saved. Stay thankful. Not going to ask you to raise your hand or nudge the person next to you. But how many know some people that are never thankful? It, it seems like it doesn't matter what they have, they're not thankful. Amen. And sometimes they need to be stripped of some things. Amen. Sometimes you wish they would lose some things. Not, not in a mean way, but they would get to, I wish you could, I could take them to another country. Take them to see some houses and take them to see what people eat. Take them to see some things that they've never seen before so they could get a perspective. Wow, I have a lot to be thankful for. One of the things that keeps the spirit of revival going in the church is that we stay thankful. You know what that means? That means that I'm looking for things to be thankful for. Come on, somebody get this. I'm looking for things to be thankful for, not wanting to, be, wanting to find something to not be thankful for. I don't want to look around and say, and say you know, which chair's crooked or, or which, what's messed up in my life or what's wrong. I want to find things to be thankful for. You're always going to find and always can find something to complain about. We've got to stay thankful. Thankful, thankful, thankful. That's what keeps the spirit of revival alive. The second thing is, these are right here in verse 8, because he, he said, oh, give thanks to the Lord. The next one is he said, call upon his name. How many know that when these scriptures were written down, they weren't written just to be written. They were written for a reason. He says, call upon his name. This, one of the things that keeps the spirit of revival going is we stay in prayer. We stay in prayer. I've been so excited the last few weeks to see how many people are going back to the prayer room. Amen? That gets me excited. That is a sign of revival, that that room is filling up, and people are staying on their knees, and people are staying in the presence of God. People are staying in prayer. Many don't know how to pray, but they're learning. Amen? I know that my brother-in-law won't mind this morning. He's listening to all these podcasts in Costa Rica, and it's such a blessing to see what God is doing in his life, and I know he's not going to mind. And so, hello, Jose, as you're listening to this right now, well, a little while longer. He, he uh, voxered me the other day. That's like a walkie-talkie if you don't know what that is, Technolo technological talk here, okay? He voxered me. Is anybody voxer? All right, it's where you can walkie-talkie people. It works great when you have people in another country. You don't have to call them. You can just voxer. So you just walkie-talk them, walkie-talk them. So he voxered me, and he said, uh, I've been listening. I'm almost caught up on all the podcasts, and I'm so, so excited what, what God's doing there. And he says, I miss being there. And for those of you who don't know, he just gave his life to the Lord when they were here last month. He got saved. He's an ag he was an agnostic. Amen. Never raised in church. And he got saved and gave his life to the Lord. And now they're going to church twice a week back in Costa Rica. Amen. And God is moving in their lives. And uh, so he texted me or voxed me and said that. And he said, I, I, I've been listening and I heard your message on prayer. And he says, I want to pray. He says, but I don't know how to. 
I love working with new converts. It's so exciting, amen? It's like holding that young baby. Yes, they stink sometimes, and yes, they burp, and I, I, I tend to have a little magnet for being thrown up on some, for some reason. Amen? Cora was at our house the other day, and she decided to bless my shorts while she was there, amen? But it, there, there's, there's you know, stinky things about new converts, but the best part is seeing that hunger, things that we take for granted, we've been saved for a while. I don't know how to pray. He says, I heard it, and I get up in the morning, and I, he says, I start praying for two minutes, and, I, I don't, and then I don't know what else to say. And he's just so, so neat how he said it. He says, but I want to pray. He says, I'm not, not praying because I don't want to. He says, I'm not praying because I don't know how to. And so then I voxed him back, and I told him some things, and I just said, talk to God like you're talking to me. Just talk to him just like you're talking to me. There's no right or wrong way to pray. Just talk to the Lord. And so I told him some things, and I got a voxer this morning on the way to church, and he said, man, I just want to thank you. He says, I've been praying, and I've been, I, I, he says, I, I get down on my knees at 4.30 in the morning, and he said, look at Desi smiling. And he said, I can feel the presence of God when I'm praying. And I said, thank God, amen. Prayer works. Prayer works. Somebody who didn't even believe or know that God existed now knows how to connect with God. Amen. Have you tried it? One of the things that moves God's hand is revival is prayer. Amen. Prayer is the force. So if we want revival, we stay praying. We don't go, oh, you know, we prayed a lot last month. Let's not pray this month. No, we got to stay praying. Amen. And you know what's cool about staying in prayer is we won't go start praying when tragedy happens. It's already done. That's what a lot of people do. A lot of people run to God when a tragedy hits. Even people that don't believe in God will say, we need to pray. Isn't it amazing? But how many know we can be in prayer and we can be ready for the blows that the devil sends our way? Because we're not praying because of a need. We're praying because we're staying in prayer. We're calling upon his name. Another thing he says in verse 8 is make known his deeds among the people. We need to stay evangelizing. Amen. Stay evangelizing. There's nothing better that you can do outside of prayer and living a holy life and then talking to people about Jesus. Sharing your faith. The youth went out yesterday and led nine people either to the Lord or rededicated their lives to the Lord at the mall. Amen. That's what it's about. It's sharing the gospel. It's giving Jesus tracts. It's telling people about what God has done. Some people, I don't know how to evangelize. I don't know how to witness. Has God done anything for you? If he hasn't done anything for you, then, then that's fine. But I promise you he has. But you might need to go back to number one and be thankful. Maybe you're in that place where you're just negative and you're always looking at the bad things. Maybe you need to go get that number one right and get thankful for something. And then you can say, can I tell you what the Lord has done for me? It's a personal testimony. It says, tell of his deeds among the people. Then another one is in verse 9, sing to him, sing psalms to him. See, when we come to church, we're not just worshiping to fill a little time. We're worshiping because it's part of who we are. We're worshiping because we're getting our spirit ready for this. How many have walked in in the morning? All kinds of in the flesh. Come on, lift your hands, say, woe is me, amen. And hopefully you got to the prayer room and you got some of it out there, amen. That's why we talk so hard about our praise team and ushers and leaders praying, amen. So they can look at you and smile, so they can worship God in spirit and in truth, not in flesh, amen. 
And so worship is a part. And we come in and we worship the Lord. But here's the thing I, I've been talking to the praise team about. We can't just worship God on this, on this pulpit, on this platform. We have to be worshipers during the week. We have to be worshipers in the car and worshipers at the house and worshipers at work. Amen. Revival will break out when us as a body of believers isn't just worshiping the Lord an hour on, on, on Sundays and a half an hour on Wednesdays, three times a week. But we come in and add to what we've been worshiping all week long in our own personal walk with the Lord. And we bring the presence of God in with us. And like Pastor Gould says, we don't have to turn that motor on. We don't have to get, get it moving with our arms because it's already there. We walk in with the presence of God in us. So number four, stay in worship. So in case you didn't get those, number one, stay thankful. Number two, stay in prayer. Number three, stay evangelizing. And number four, stay in worship. Let me tell you something. If you can work on those four things right there, you will be H-A-P-P-Y. Some of y'all, some of the kids were like, it's summer. I don't remember what that misspells, amen. And you heard pee-pee twice and you kind of caught you. If, you're, if you were doing any kind of daydreaming, you're in trouble, amen. Amen. How many believe that? Stay thankful, stay in prayer, stay evangelizing and stay in worship. How can you go wrong? How can we lose the spirit of revival if we stay in those things? Amen. Let me show you one more story. Go to 2 Chronicles. We're in first. Just go over to 2 Chronicles 29. You know, David was writing that as you get there. David was in his teen years. Our, our, our teenagers are fixing to go to camp next week. They're going to get jacked up. Amen? They're going to get jacked up by the Holy Spirit next week for a whole week. I can't wait till the following Sunday when we get to hear all the testimonies of what God did. And I'm a little jealous because I wish I could go again. I preached it last year. I wish I could go again. I and mean, it's so fun to be with all those teenagers worshiping God. Amen. So keep them in prayer this week as they get ready to go. And uh, David was only in his teen years when he was anointed to be king over Israel. Isn't that amazing? When he defeated Goliath, he was 12. And then Saul anointed him uh, sorry, Samuel anointed him over king over Israel to take Saul's place in his teenage, probably 14 or 15 years old. That's young. Of course, he didn't become king right away because Saul began to chase him for many years. But he became king at 30 years old. That's still young. Can you say amen? And so he's doing all these things. And now we see over in the book of 2 Chronicles 29, I want to show you another young person. His name is Hezekiah. And he's becoming king, the Bible says in verse 1 of 2 Chronicles 29, at the young age of 25. How many would like to be 25 again? Let me see the 20 ones that want to be 25 again. Amen? Some people are saying no. Some people aren't there yet. Amen? I wouldn't mind being 25 again. I'm not going to lie. He's 25. Some people are saying spring chicken. Right? But we know that age has everything to do with how we feel and what our mentality is. Amen? I got a 91-year-old grandma who doesn't act 91. Amen? Physically. She's in good shape. So he says here, Hezekiah, verse 1, became king, or 2 Chronicles 2, 29, when he was 25, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. 
And watch this. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. Is there anything this morning more awesome than that? We've been talking about family. We had some great messages from Pastor Gould about uh, the heritage and richness of the Holy Spirit. What's, what is so great to see a man leaving a legacy to his, to his son? And now Hezekiah taking it over and learning probably from his father's lessons, amen, of the things that he did wrong. And now he's taken over. And as you, as you read the Judges and the Chronicles in the Bible, you see one of two things. Kings take over and they do what was right in the sight of God or they don't. And what follows those that don't? Curses, problems, trials, death. All kinds of bad things follow those that don't do right. But then you see those kings that do right. And the blessings and the favor of God follow them. Amen? And so we see right here that he says he's doing right. So another thing we do, I know I've, I know I've given you a lot of numbers this morning, but you can follow me. Amen? This is the last set of four. I'm giving you three different stories, though. One's our church, one's King David, and one's his son Hezekiah. I want you to find these qualities in your life. Another one is do, keep doing right. Did you know the Bible says do not grow weary in well-doing? Is there a reason why he said that? Because he knew he would. Because one of the things about doing right is we want to expect, we expect results immediately. And we think that we did right yesterday, so today I'm going to be blessed. We don't do right yesterday to be blessed today. We do right yesterday because it's right. And it pleases God. And regardless of whether I get a prize or not, I am going to do right. Because I want to live a holy life. Because I hate sin. Because I love God. Because when I'm in prayer and I'm in his presence, I can't do those things. Are you following me? Pastor Gould said it during the revival too. Show me somebody who's struggling and I'll show you somebody who's not praying. Seriously. I'm not saying problems. Don't get me wrong. But when you begin to get away from a prayer life and a time of worship with the Lord, you are going to have problems with the flesh because you're in the flesh. That's why the Bible says, walk not according to the flesh so that you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, but walk in the spirit. To walk in the spirit, you have to be in God's presence. To walk in the spirit, you have to be in prayer. To walk in the spirit, you have to worship God. To walk in the spirit, you have to say no to sin and temptations. And then the blessing and the presence of God comes. Listen, church, when the presence of God is in this house, I want you to think about something. God's presence cannot rest where there is sin. So when the presence of God is here, that means we're working out our sin lives. Amen. I'm not saying uh, sin here and a sin there on our day, though. I'm talking in general. I'm talking about in leadership. I'm talking about as a church. We're doing what God's calling us to do, and his presence comes where he is sought and where there's holiness. Amen. And that's why we have to stay contending for those things. Because when we begin to feel that the presence of God is no longer here, that means something's wrong. I don't ever want that to happen. I don't ever, ever. You can take away everything. David said that. He said, take it all from me, but do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Amen. 
We have to have that attitude. God, let us keep your presence in our lives. So number, number one is keep doing right. Number two, I'm going to read it right here. Go down a little further. Verse five. He says, hear me. Wh- which verse did I just read? Verse two, right? Follow with me. Just a couple more scriptures. Did, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father had done. And in the first year of his reign, in the first month, first year, first reign, first fruits, God is a God of firsts. Amen. God wants first, not second or third. God doesn't want leftovers of anything. So Hezekiah takes over and he immediately starts right. And he says, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Another thing we do to keep revival spirit alive is we fix what's broke. Amen. Now, this isn't talking about physical stuff. That's obvious. This is, he's using a physical example of a door. But to them at that time, physicality and the presence of the temple was very important. We know that today God abides in temples not made by man, which is us. Okay, yes, we're congregating here together as the church, but we are the temple of God now. Amen. We are the church. And so we need to fix what's broken. Part of a revival spirit is every service, every day, every week coming and saying, God, what's broke in my life? Many, many people might say, man, another altar call. Uh, they're going to come down to the altar again. They're going to come and pray again. Yes, because we're always fixing what's broke. We're always working on the areas of our life that need to be better. And when you get to the place that you think you've arrived, you have missed it. And you need to come to the altar. When you think I'm good, the Bible says, lest you fall. Be careful that you do not think too much of yourself, lest you fall. Pride comes before a fall. A humble and contrite spirit is what God blesses. He's looking where people are humble and contrite in spirit. And he says, I can go there because they want to change. David said, create in me a clean spirit and a right spirit, O God. Now look at this next thing, the last thing I want to see. He says, In verse 5, and he said to them, hear me, Levites. Now sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord, God of your fathers, and carry out, watch this, carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Got to get rid of some things sometimes. Holy Spirit speaks. Listen, what, what rubbish is to me, might not be rubbish to you. And what rubbish is to you might not be rubbish to me. Every person has things in their life that are a hindrance to them that might not be a hindrance to somebody else. The worst thing you can do as a believer is begin to look around at other people and try to take the speck of dust out of their eye, amen, when you've got a big old plank in yours. And I'm talking to all of us, amen. God says, I need you to focus on you. I need you to see what rubbish you have in your life. I need you to clean out your garage before you go out and clean somebody else's garage. Amen. I need you to focus on you. And if you will get that junk out of your life, God will move in your life. He says, get rid of the rubbish. What would rubbish be? Stuff that don't need to be there. Garbage. God bless all you people that love to hold on to things. Amen. I'm a throwaway person. If I don't use it and I'm not going to use it in the next two or three months, it's gone. Amen. I'm don't, I felt some resistance there. Amen. Well, you go ahead and just keep hoarding. Amen. You might need it. You might. Amen. There, see, I knew I had some in here. 
But if it's not worth something, get rid of it. Amen? Listen, here, here's how you know something's rubbish. If it costs more to fix it than it's worth, it's rubbish. Okay? That's just my opinion. If I can go, some people just like, well, I've had it and it means something. And All right. <laughs> Praise God. The last thing is, stay sanctified. Or, maybe if you're not sanctified, get sanctified. Amen? Stay sanctified. That means, the, we know what the word sanctified means? Set apart and holy. 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 5 says, listen to this, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unforgiving, unloving. That sounds like some of the things I said were important, amen? Traitors, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And listen, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And then it says, and from such people turn away. Amen. Amen. Listen, that's stuff that should be in the world, not in the church. Amen. And if we want revival, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying we have it. Let's keep it out. Let's keep it out. Can I, can I say something to you? This, can I give you a statement that's clear and it's true this morning? We've been a church for five years. Next month we're going to be celebrating our five-year anniversary. Amen. And that's a blessing. Praise God. Amen. Five years is a long time. We've got a long way to go, but a lot of churches don't make it five years. And I can tell you that in the five years we've been a church, I think that my dad and the leaders in the church that have been with us would agree that we have the best spirit right now in our church that we've ever had. I don't feel any dissension. There's no, there's no gossiping. There's no slander. There's no fighting. There's, there's, we have it, but we got to keep it. We got to keep it, and we got to grow from here. Amen? And we got to help each other not allow ourselves to get bitter, not allow ourselves to get unthankful, not allow ourselves, amen? If you're around somebody who begins to be unthankful, say, hey, let's be thankful for this. Be a leader and change the subject. Change the conversation. Don't be the person that sits there and listens to the gossip. Amen. But I'm telling you, we're, we're in a good place right now, but we've got to go from here. And we've got to get, keep the rubbish out. So when you're cleaning, and musicians, you can come. When you're cleaning something, how many know it's easier? Like, I don't cook a lot, and I'm not a very good cook, but I do make some mean omelets. Amen. And when I do cook anything, I like, my dad taught me, I like to clean up as I go. Like I'm cooking the eggs and I'm cooking stuff and as soon as it's done, I throw it under the water while it's hot. It's like shh, sizzling. I clean it up while I'm done because I don't want to have a mess with them when I'm done. Amen? So in life, in our walk with God, if you clean up a little bit as you go along and you don't let things get real big, you stay good. And we can do that as a church. Amen? If we stay in the spirit of revival, if we stay in prayer, if we stay right if we stay thankful if we stay evangelized if we do all these things we talked about this morning we will see god continue to move and how many know we haven't seen anything yet from what god wants to do in our lives amen how many believe the best is yet to come this morning amen let's give the lord a big hand this morning he's worthy amen his word is awesome father we thank you this morning